Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm Paige Donner, the host and producer. This food and wine show is being brought to you directly from Paris, France. Here, we give you a taste of this delicious world with all its colorful and diverse personalities that make up the Paris culinary landscape. So, sit back and relax and enjoy Paris good food and wine. If there was ever an episode of Paris Good Food and Wine that will make you want to book the next flight to Paris, it's this one. First up, we have the utterly charming and so very humble Victoire de Tayac, who is the co-owner, along with her husband, of Le Grand Café Tortoni. It's newly opened in the Upper Marais on Rue Saint-Ange, and here she gives us the very colorful backgrounder on why every school child in France has already heard of Le Grand Café Tortoni. Then, we take a little intermission break and speak with a local Parisian celebrity, namely Olivier Giraud. He's the star performer of the one-man show, How to Become Parisian in One Hour. He's amused and delighted audiences since first performing his hour-long routine at the Théâtre de Nouveauté in the Grand Boulevard district of Paris, just about eight years ago now. Lastly, we turn to the Parisian by way of Colombia, young chef Juan Arbelez, who was so inspired by lemons that he named his new restaurant Limon. He'll tell us all about that here on the show. So, get ready for yet another enticing, appetizing, delicious, and tempting episode of Paris, good food and wine. This episode of Paris Good Food and Wine has been brought to you by Paris Food and Wine. You can find us at parisfoodandwine.net. So we're here in the very fashionable Upper Marais, Haute Marais, uh, on Rue Saint-Ange, in the really quite new Le Grand Café Tortoni. And I'm sitting here with the créatrice and owner, who is uh, Victoire de Tayac, and, and her husband actually just had to run off to work. Um, but I wanted to start, Victoire, by having you read um, some of the quotes that you have here on the marble plaques on your wood, wood-paneled wall. So if you could start by reading in French and then translate, and then we'll go into how you've rediscovered this illustrious historic place. Euh, bonjour. Euh, so, le café Tortoni doit sa réputation à la qualité parfaite de ses produits. On prend à Tortoni du café noir et du café à la crème comme on en chercherait en vin ailleurs. 
journal le gaulois 1882 une autre tous les damnés allèrent prendre des glaces chez Tortoni Uh, la peau de chagrin honorée de Balzac. This one is a little more tricky to translate because it would be like uh, all damné would be maybe like all demi-monde went to have ice cream at Tortoni. So this is more a way to say that Tortoni was a place where you go after a theater, after show to have an ice cream and we could maybe a kind of party place. And another one is, à minuit, il se retrouvait chez Tortoni avec ses dandies pour savourer une glace. Alfred de Musset. Um, and so this one is a very nice one. It's at midnight, they will meet at Tortoni with his dandy uh, to savour, enjoy an ice cream. And this one is a nice one because Tortoni is very uh, typical of this era of 19th century in Paris. And so dandy, of course, was very popular all Europe, but in Paris too. Elegant lifestyle. <laughs> so that's really fascinating. So what you've done, I mean, you're the, you and your husband are the creator of the very, uh, very successful cult beauty product line, Officine de Bully. And now in your newest location here in the Marais, you also have, so it's half um, your, your beauty products and half this beautiful cafe. I'm very curious to hear more of the backstory, Victoire, how you rediscovered this place. So obviously it has a huge history that dates back to 1882 since it's been referenced by those quotes that you just read. One was in the Journal Gaulois, so the Gaulois newspaper from 1882. The, the second quote was Honoré de Balzac, so of course the famous French writer. And the third one was Alfred de Musset. So how did you find is tell me the backstory about this place and how you launched it so uh, i guess it's, it must seems quite um, quite uh, weird but in a way uh, le grand café tortoni was a huge Parisian institution and with a lot, a lot, a place of inspiration for many writers and very famous in Paris social life. So it's mean it's been quoted so many times in books and in newspaper. And it used to be a family owned place, um, in Les Grands Boulevards. And it was famous for really two things, which was coffee and ice cream. And ice cream was like very, very popular treats. And so people very elegantly dressed were going to have ice cream at night at Tortoni. So it was not like it was um, difficult to find because in a way, you know, uh, uh, in, in French school, all these sort of telling stories about Tortoni, you study them in class because it's a big part of, of, of education. So, uh, and um, the idea was more than when we, we, uh, we work on Bully, uh, which is so very, a very French way to see beauty and perfume. Um, we, we enjoyed very part the creative part of this process and, uh, and we thought, um, working on on many things that uh, it was funny how um, coffee in a way now 
um, the French coffee have such a bad reputation, which is well known, I think. <laughs> so now it's true that coffee is Italian. Coffee is American in a way too, because now you have great American coffee and you've been inspiration for the way you deal with coffee culture all around the world. And uh, But French coffee just disappear and uh, coffee is for and French is sure known for things but not for his coffee and we thought it was a little sad because uh, France used to have a very strong coffee culture coffee used to be uh, uh, very popular and part of the philosophy life philosophy cafe uh, for hotels and uh, he used to have very good reputation and he had all these funny words like you know so we kept cafe creme that we still order in coffee but for example cafe minute which is our French espresso just disappear and we thought that was very inspiring and that we could uh, try in this new location we have in Le Marais to do an experiment because I really see it like a laboratory because it's only six seats to have the same kind of uh, service and care of details with a French cafe which would be Tortoni because for us it was the most famous one and so just to go back on uh, Tortoni's story so Tortoni was a huge success but after in terms of um, and a familial institution but after he went through um, uh, the family uh, stopped the business through um, a wedding and things like that which things would happen so so we just uh, just took over the name and decided it would be a very interesting way for us to experiment in this idea of uh, French uh, coffee and, and to do something around it and so uh, here we are at our first try. <laughs> well it's it's a great hit and then another one of the things that you have um so okay so I just understood then you to say that cafe minute was actually the French way of saying espresso that's the yeah. original way. Yeah exactly that's the original way. Okay, so I learned something. And also I have to say that there is very nice, very respected coffee place in Paris that are well known, uh, like for example Verlet, Rue Saint-Honoré. But it's true that regular coffee in regular cafe in Paris, it's not a great thing. Yeah, I, um, there's been a bit of a renaissance, so you seem to be kind of in that wave now, which is great. But but this is a truly elegant. I mean, the you know, there's a marble bar, the wooden, the ancient wooden stools. You have these copper samovars, and the the service is so elegant. I mean, it's bone china with like gold inlay served on on silver trays. I mean, everything is just exquisite and very elegant. You know, another thing that you've done here that's so interesting is um, you have the what, what are the little Japanese <laughs> so as I told you this place was interesting for us because this location was um, very big and we could try things and um, we are also very interested in, in food <laughs> and so we just spent one year in Japan living in Tokyo and uh, we discovered this uh, Japanese sandwich called onigiri which is just a triangle of rice filled with something inside, savory and uh, that you have when you don't have time to have lunch, that it's sold everywhere in combini which are um, 7-Eleven, that you have all around that mother do to kids, that you buy everywhere and that are very nice and very fooling and uh, so we thought it was a little sad that Paris don't we could not find really onigiri and also we thought of course Japanese as a way to see onigiri which is very Japanese and it's lovely so it's a lot about uh, seaweed raw fish uh, things like that but we thought onigiri was a great thing that could be a little more we could have a little more experience 
experiments and only Japanese cooking. And so that's why we did uh, Nani Kole. And uh, so it's really, uh, we have things which are uh, like classical Japanese, like I don't know, uh, Shizo Yukari, which will be the Japanese basil with uh, an, an, uh, a seaweed. Or example, we have things like, which is very popular in Japan, which is... Um, How do you say poulet pané fried chicken, I would say, with a little mayonnaise? So this doesn't seem Japanese, but it's one of the most popular onigiri recipe in Japan. And after, we have things which are completely new, like a, a Moroccan onigiri with a kefta inside, or with a merguez, or with ratatouille, or paella onigiri. And we thought the right is such a great uh, medium uh, for all this, and it's a nice way to have uh, uh, food on the, on the go, in a way. And so that's why we have an onigiri counter also. So that's, nothing is really logical. It's just the logic is what we are interested in now. <laughs> well, that's you follow your passion. And uh, you know, just before we started rolling tape, your your husband was saying, you know, that that as well. He was saying, well, we just do what we love, and what you guys love tends to be what everybody else seems to love too. That's um, for my husband. Um, so he's really uh, the creative mind, and we create the space and um, and uh, all the products and the design. And I think he's right. I think um, uh, France has a very strong aesthetic identity, which for us is really inspiring. And I guess for all around the world too. And that's what people are looking for sure when they come to Paris. And uh, so uh, it's not pure, uh, it's not like we recreate something exactly like it was before because that's not part of it uh, it's completely uh, our own fantasy of Paris and France and I think that's what's nice and after I think some people like it and I think also uh, what is important is um, uh, of course the passion you put into film but the care into details, that's the difference and for example you notice uh, things on a silver tray on linen, that you have a nice uh, porcelain de Limoges cup all this when you think about it that's not that complicated in a way modern life is a lot about simplifying everything and and for us it's not because you're having a four euros coffee that you don't have a nice silver tray and i think it doesn't change you know it's not that much work and it's so much nicer suddenly you have something which is completely going from uh, just coffee on the counter to something more delicate and for us that's that's what we like It's true. There is that sense of almost like ritual, you know, like it, like you stop and you actually enjoy, you know, your coffee and you notice the, like I can see on your, on the Limoges China cup that's in front of you, there's like a little decoration of a 18th century man and woman dressed in finery, you know, and court, courting each other. Yeah. And it's a beautiful blue and it's true. That's a little, uh, yeah. That's just some little things, but all the little things together uh, make sense and make a difference. And that's the same thing for uh, our beauty brand. And that's how we see, uh, that's how we see it. Mm. Is that what you call in French art de la table? Yeah, of course, art de la table, art de vivre. I think for me, I don't know because you've been living in Paris for a long time now, so you, I'm sure you know a lot of this. I think France have really something uh, with lifestyle. I think uh, it's something, you know, we really live like that. And I have to say, coming back from Tokyo, which is a city that I love, Japanese culture is amazing, I enjoy so much, a lot of it. But when I came back to Paris, working in Le Marais, 
and um, going out after work, I don't know, at six and or seven, and you see everybody at cafe having a drink with friends. And I think that's, that's so nice. I think there is a very nice way how people balance life here. And for example, for me, uh, the market in Paris, how people speak for hours about food, how everybody has a great bakery, a great butcher, just down your street, not complicated. It's just like uh, five minutes. I think for me, that's a big charm of this city and of the life in France and I think it's something we I hope that's still uh, yeah that's uh, that's still um, you know uh, that would be forever yeah well I couldn't agree with you more on that Victoire that work-life balance and that sense of you know enjoying the moments the fleeting moments of life and Certainly in the United States, we could take a, a primer um, from France on that. And I think that's probably why a lot of expats end up just staying and staying and staying because we, uh, we don't seem to have that integrated that enough uh, still in, in our culture in the United States. But I'm generally speaking, and probably a lot of people would disagree with me, but, but still. I think that's after some people do find it. But here you see, you see this every day. A lot. Uh, you see, uh, you know, when you drop your kids at school, you see all the mother and the dad having coffee for hours. Sometimes I'm thinking, but when do they go to work? <laughs> Because me and my is also late. But all these little things, and I think that's great, uh, really. Uh, and um, I think, you know, I think there is um, quality in every lifestyle and every culture has things which are inspiring to other but I think for for friends this is me which is the closest uh, the closest to my art and that I enjoy the pleasure in you know in this absolutely you're listening to Paris good food and wine I'm Paige Donner your host we're speaking with Victoire de Tayac of Le Grand Café Tortoni you know, I wanted to just touch on um, a, a moment, if you would, uh, because the the Officine de Bully, your first brand and your anchor brand, you know, this cult beauty brand now, which has become globally sought after. But um, and I also noticed that you're exclusively in the Hotel de Crillon. Yes, yeah. No, it's it's been very nice because, um, as you know, um, there's been a big movement in Parisian Palace of revamping. <laughs> so there was a lot of things going on. And Le Crillon came to us at the beginning uh, of, um, of uh, really when we reopened our store, Rue Bonaparte. And they really love what we do. And they had something which was very nice to me. They were very... Enfin... Um, um, They wanted to work with small brands and with people and the small people. And um, I thought that was very interesting because, you know, it's it's a big management and everything. And they were keen on working with small companies. They, they thought that it would make the difference in their hotel. And so it was a huge protest because it's, you know, it's I think it's been three years of, um, you know, it's like you're you're winning one step second step so we never knew and after we were very proud and also we were very inspiring by the way they did that with us but with many things detail in the in in the hotel and and for us it's been amazing and it's we are exclusive to le crayon but all the all the journey to be in the bathroom le crayon was very interesting and now it's it's been great because we a lot of people discover us in in le crayon bathroom And I think it's nice, you know, Paris is our city. So to be in such famous hotel, which is, you know, most amazing location ever. La Concorde, you know. 
Yes, Place de la Concorde. And I mean, there there's pictures of uh, Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford hanging out the second story balcony looking overlooking the Place de la Concorde. I mean, there isn't a more historied or storied property in Paris than, than Le Crayon. Yeah. And you know, the, the other thing I wanted, which I find fascinating is that there seems to be a thread of Honoré de Balzac too, through everything you do. And I know that just around the corner from your Rue Bonaparte location is the very ancient former publishing house of Henri de Balzac, where he actually first self-published uh, his book. And I know Officine de Bully has that thread from his book. Can you just speak to that just for a second? Yes, of course. It's, it's funny. Um, so... Uh, Jean-Vincent Bully, the founder of the brand, was a very uh, well-known character uh, in France because he made, he was very, very successful. And also, I guess, he was quite of a character himself. And also, it was a period where uh, political was very complicated in France. And so I think he, he stood up at one point for the wrong camp. <laughs> wrong side <laughs> and so he so he had a lot of trouble and so I guess it was some, someone who was uh, well known for press and many articles and so as you know uh, Honoré de Balzac in La Comédie Humaine it's all in all his face novels um, he pick uh, for one of his novels which is César Birotto which is a story of a very very successful perfumer but very sad because he lost everything at the end and he was inspired by uh, Jean-Vincent Bully uh, in part for the book and so no that was funny but it's sweet one of the details that we love about Bully uh, it's, it's, and after of course uh, I've just been reading it so Honoré de Balzac has written about Tortoni too but because it's the same period that's why yeah, maybe he's your your guardian angel or something. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny and because it's true he was, so we knew his publishing house and I don't know if you know, he decided to be a printer, to be more independent and he lost so many money and that right he wrote so many books because he was always missing some money. So he had to write novel and things because he was always running after money. And just when we opened, um, just when we opened Bully Ruben Apart, next to us was a lovely lovely old um, bookstore owner who specializes in art book and he had this you know the store you love which is really like all in a wall nothing so tiny and he was maybe 70 or something and very nice and um, he was you know neighbor in France so he came to meet us and he was very he loved the stores and so he came and uh, and after finally he decided to go on retirement which was very sad but when he left, he gave us some original printing of Honoré de Balzac, uh, Parisian scene. Um, and and it, it was very nice. And, uh, and uh, so you see, um, and at the beginning also, a funny story when we opened. And so he show you how France is a country which are, where past is so strong. It's so funny. So when we opened, we had a lot of articles because it was really the store is looking like an old apothecary like really an old store and that's the idea that we did an old store from nothing and we don't destroy it it was like all the neighborhood was talking only about that the students from Art uh, Bazaar were coming and they say you're mad everybody's destroying store like that you're doing a new one and uh, you know are you out of your mind and after we had all people who were coming and say oh I love so much this kind of store it used to be it's the Paris I love and so you see it's not only for foreigners French people do enjoy it but most funny thing is we, we had people who came in and say oh I'm coming because I am Bonapartiste 
which means I'm standing on Napoleon's side and uh, and I would like to buy because all our candles are named uh, with very famous uh, name from uh, Napoleon history. And so they were coming and they were buying soap with the image of Napoleon and they were saying very seriously, I am uh, I am a Bonapartist. And I was thinking, you know, <laughs> Bonaparte has not been <laughs> on politics for quite a while now, we can say, but they are still Bonapartists, okay? And after we had the people who come and they say, I am Balsacien, which is like a religion. And I say, oh, okay, you're Balsacien. And it means, okay, they are Balsacien. So, and so they would come to visit because they are linked to... And you see, I think it tells a lot about France that you have still people which are Balsacien, which is a very funny thing. And people were still a Bonapartist <laughs> in 21th century. Yeah. No, you're right. The history here is still, it's still so strong. It's like it's in your DNA. Yeah, it's in ordinary, but I think it's a good part of it. It's, it's inspiring, but after, of course, uh, the problem of friend is that it can be quite stiff and traditional because of his very strong history. So it's like everything. Your best asset is sometimes your, your worst uh, default. Mm. And here, too, at this new location in the Marais, which you opened in September, I believe, yeah. um, it's, you've kept that same kind of apothecary old, old feel. Now, um, aside from onigiri, which I know is kind of like a pet passion project, but honestly, the menu is actually quite traditional and very, um, you know, very, it's, there's very strong, choices a few but a few of them so you know you have hot chocolate you have uh you have tea you have coffee you have cakes of course do you have ice cream here Yes, of course, we do have ice cream. So the season of ice cream is back soon because we make our ice cream in our own kitchen with our pastry chef. And so uh, we're going to have ice cream um, very soon. Still, now we're starting again beginning of March. We are very optimistic about the season and we hope the good weather is coming back because we had quite an harsh winter in Paris. And so, no, yes, of course, you can't have a Café Tartani without ice cream. And no, and we, and I think also, and I'm sure you know, because when you live in Paris, it's so funny our relationship to cake and pastry. You know, I don't think there is a city in the world where people eat more cakes. I live Rue du Bac. I have five of the most famous pastry stores in my street. I see people queuing Saturday and Sunday like crazy to buy their Sunday cake or their weekend cake. And, uh, and this is also something which makes me laugh. It's how, uh, you know, sweet tooth we are. <laughs> and so, of course, we have beautiful cake and that's part of, you know, that's part of French uh, gastronomy, cake. And not just any cake, patisserie. I mean, like almost like, our, you know, architectural masterpieces of cake. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, read about. Well, that that that'll be a subject for our for another interview. Oh yeah, no, no. I think cake is a great subject because it's really, really, really funny. The way uh, we keep on eating cakes, you know, and it's it's really uh, yeah, it's really something. And here, no, we have beautiful cake, and it's something that we enjoy to share. We have an Instagram account, and we only post one picture of cake every day. So you see, we take cake very seriously. <laughs> Well, great. Well, actually, I was hoping you would mention, like, what's your Instagram? Um, how, where can we find you on Instagram? And what's the address here? Just tell our listeners, please. Uh, so the address is uh, 45 Rue de Saint-Onge. So as you say, it's in the Haut Marais, uh, just after uh, Rue de Bretagne. It's a lovely and lively neighborhood. And after, we are open every day, uh, excluding Monday. So we are open on, on Sunday too. And I would say people come here for breakfast, but very often for a uh, coffee and a piece of cake. So you see. And after, we have an Instagram, which is uh, Le Grand Café Tortoni. And, uh, and where we post every day a picture of cake. <laughs> 
Good, perfect. Well, that'll be my daily cake fix then. Victoria, I want to say thank you so very much for taking your time today to speak to Paris Good Food and Wine. It's been really fascinating. I mean, no, thank you. Thank you for coming and to enjoy what we are doing at Tortoni um, here. Next up, we'll be hearing from Olivier Giraud, the one-man wonder behind how to become Parisian in one hour. You're listening to Paris Good Food and Wine with me, your host, Paige Donner. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Paris Good Food and Wine. Be sure to check out our website at parisfoodandwine.net. Okay, great. Well, here it's snowing again. Here we are upstairs at Le Hibou, right at, at the Carrefour Odeon. So I'm with Olivier, <laughs> the Parisian. Um, he's the stand-up star of how to become Parisian in an hour. Yeah, in one hour. So he's going to actually uh, be our expert today on several things relating to food in Paris. But we're going to start off by asking him what he knows about the French fry. So, hello, Paige. Uh, so, the, um, I will say that it, there is a big fight for, for a long time uh, concerning the, the French fries. Some people say it's from Belgium. Some people say it's from, uh, uh, it's from France. But I will say French. And, uh, and the, the history was that the day after the, the revolution, so in, in 1789, uh, they were selling some, um, some fried potatoes at the Pont Neuf. Uh, so that's why we we call it now the the pomme pourneuf, which is the the French fries. But I'm I'm not a big fan of uh, French fries. I love the 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 pomme saladez because uh, I'm I'm from south west of France, from Bordeaux, and now uh, we love cooking with uh, duck fat. So it's like a pomme like a pomme de terre sauté. It's like a sliced and and cooked in a, a duck fat and parsley, garlic, salt and pepper. That's for me better than French fries. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's still kind of out. the The jury is still out on whether French fries originated in France or in or in Belgium, I guess. But I did come across something about it being uh, originally a street food here in Paris. Although I suppose if you're documenting eating habits in the 15th and 16th century, it's a little bit a little bit difficult. So, well, what what else can you? I, you know, I've seen your show a few times, and every time family comes to visit our friends, I, I I always either recommend or take them to your show. It's one of the best and longest playing um, stand up shows in Paris in English by a French person. So I was wondering if you could give us some more tips on, like, how do, can you, how are we supposed to order in a restaurant, and why don't waiters ever bring us the the bill after we're done eating? So uh, it, it's very uh, very hard to uh, ask the waiter to come to the table because you have to make eye contact, like perhaps for ten minutes, uh, to make sure that the waiter uh, can see you, and uh, and after five minutes you have to uh, wave your hands like, hey. Come on, you have to come. I'm in a hurry. It's always a big fight to have a waiter to come to your table, compared to America or even England. Uh, as soon as you sit down, they, they come with water, ice water, and lemon. In Paris, no way. You just have to wait. Um, and uh, don't be too nice with the Parisian waiter. Don't smile, otherwise they say, "Okay, this person look happy. He will wait a bit more." So <laughs> you have to be uh, like. Uh, 
uh, a bit arrogant with him and look at him like all the time. You have to come to my table to uh, to take my order. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and concerning the the bill, you, I mean, as a customer, you need to ask the waiter because if the waiter comes with a bill, uh, that's completely impolite. That means you have to get out now. So uh, that's why we always have to fight to get the uh, the bill. But I think it's for me it's better to wait a bit than the waiter comes because you feel like okay, let's go. Yeah, I think that's the reason. So that that's so funny, Olivier, because that's one of those things I think that is really lost in translation, so to speak. Because you know, for a lot of visitors, I think when they're you know waiting, waiting, waiting for the bill, they think, well, I've been ignored. But in fact, it's actually a sign of graciousness on the part of the French. So they're saying, oh, please stay longer, please stay. Longer. <laughs> That's so. That's so cute. Like, what do you what do you love about you know the food scene here um, in in Paris and and also since you're from Bordeaux, since you're from such a, a famous wine region, do you have any thoughts that you want to share about you know some of the you know some of the wine maybe from Bordeaux or maybe even another region? So um, it's gonna be weird, but I'm from Bordeaux, but uh, I'm not a big fan. Of Bordeaux, I love sometimes. You now, when I go and see my family, of course, I drink wine from Bordeaux because they are very proud of their wine. But um, for a few years now, I'm in love with the wine from southeast, um, all the Saint Chignon, all the uh, Vaqueras. For me, that's very good wine and and quite cheap, cheaper than wine from Bordeaux. And I think they are much better for, for me for my taste than wine from Bordeaux but I love wine from uh, uh, southeast yeah it's it's more like uh, close to Montpellier you know Brunvalier it's like a few hours drive but from uh, from this part like Vaqueras Saint-Chignon for me are the, are the best even the Fitou I don't know if you know the, the Fitou it's very good with uh, red meat uh, it's very good yeah um, dining in Paris I I go sometimes to some restaurant, but I, I really like a bistro. Uh, I love very good product, only like a nice piece of meat. Um, and I love the atmosphere, you know, in a bistro, like it's noisy and a lot of people and always in the same weather, like even if it's not too nice, there is an atmosphere. I don't like a high class restaurant or fine dining restaurant. I love you know, the, the, um, the Parisian atmosphere in a bistro, yeah. I love good products, very simple products, but the, the way it's cooked. And uh, I think that's more important than very great restaurant. Yeah. And so last question, um, Olivier, as a Parisian, as a through and through Parisian, what kind of advice can you give to people who are just kind of coming here, maybe visiting or newly arrived and they would like to you know kind of discover some of the you know some of the restaurants or cafes or you know just maybe fresh markets any pointers something very important uh if you if you come to paris you have to be uh, very careful to the touristic places because you you will pay very uh high price for what you get and most of the time it's always like frozen food and reheated and microwave so you have to be very careful uh, you, you need to find a little uh, little restaurant in a little street and of course look at all the websites like TripAdvisor to make sure that it can be a, a, a good idea to come to this restaurant and uh, otherwise yeah perhaps um, if you are coming from uh, say America or Australia you, you may be a bit, a bit surprised by the way we dress because you know uh, 
you you have to avoid like a very colorful outfit it's always black and if you're a bit crazy you can put some gray you know like <laughs> you have to be uh, uh, not too uh, crazy with the colors in paris and uh anyway the, the the way we act we were not very um uh, warm with the tourists but as soon as you know a bit better the parisian we are very warm but for the, the first contact is always very cold yeah Thank you. Thank you so much, Olivier, for coming out today in the snow. Um, just to wrap up, I mean, we, you know, remind our listeners where we can um, catch your show and how they can book it and get the tickets online. So I'm playing my show, uh, How to Become Parisian in One Hour at the Théâtre de Nouveauté, which is a uh, uh, Metro uh, Grand Boulevard, uh, 24 Boulevard Poissonnier. And you can uh, book your tickets at FNAC, which is the, the most famous website in, in France. And I'm playing there four times a week until the December 31st, 2018. So I hope to, use, to see you very soon. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye-bye. That was Olivier Giraud. You can catch his show at the Théâtre de Nouveauté, located at 24 Boulevard Poissonnier. This episode of Paris Good Food and Wine has been brought to you by Paris Food and Wine. You can find us at parisfoodandwine.net. Stay tuned to Paris Good Food and Wine because next we'll be hearing from one of Paris's notable under 30 chefs who's using his South American roots to inspire his latest culinary creations. So Chef Juan Arbelez, it's really gracious of you on this snowy, wintry day to welcome me here in your newest restaurant called Limon in the very fashionable Eight Arrondissement. We're going to be speaking a lot more about that. I Just to briefly introduce you, you, you were a contender on Top Chef 2012. Uh, you walked away with lots of accolades from that. And from there, I'm going to let you take it away because you've got a pretty, you've got a very fascinating story to tell. Uh, yeah, exactly. I arrived now 11 years ago. I was 18 years old when I uh, took my plane from uh, Bogota, Colombia, to arrive to Paris. Um, it's been a long way. I, um, I used to work in a lot of three stars Michelin uh, in Paris. I have the chance to work at Pierre Gagnère, at Georges V, uh, at the Bristol, uh, Eric Fréchon. Then I work in um, a lot of tiny restaurants and bistros. And um, I had the chance to, uh, to do the amazing adventure of Top Chef 2012. That was like a really nice experience for me. And uh, it helps me a lot. I think I economized uh, like maybe 10 years of my life. And after that, one year after, I opened my first restaurant. My first restaurant I opened in, in Boulogne. Paris is like really saturated about restaurants there's a lot a lot of restaurants in Paris it's quite hard today to like to be original and be in Paris so I tried to go to the um, like really next to um, uh, to Paris but it's it's called Boulogne Billancourt it's kind of like the Brooklyn of um, Paris I opened Plancha and it was like a really really nice success uh, one year after, it was like one of the the best restaurants in Boulogne. Like all the people from the 
the city uh, knew about it and wanted to uh, to go and try. So I tried like to to surf that wave, and uh, I opened the second one called Le Vin. Le Vin, it's a concept that I opened. Uh, it's based on uh, bread and wine. I thought that when we are on the table, there's like these two friends that we forget to put on the on the middle of the of the scene, and they are really important for us, the wine and the bread. So I create this concept. The center of the dish it's the bread and the wine. Um, it's um, we we made the concept around the tartine. Uh, it's like this a piece of bread and we're gonna put it on the top like a really nice lamb confit for eight hours with some sardines a little piece of uh, parmesan and um, roquette it's um, it's like quite classic and inventive at the same time with these snowy days it warms our uh, our heart our uh, palais and it's really really nice after Levin I open uh, Amer in the 10th it's a really uh, new bistro. It's really like inventive with Mauricio Zillo, one of my best friends and a Brazilian. It's a really, really crazy restaurant. I took the kitchen of the Hotel Marignan in the 8th where I created the um, Nube two years ago. And today I create Limon, a concept uh, that turns around uh, the citrus. I'm going to tell you more in detail in a few. And I, had, um, I opened a year ago Maya. It's Colombian and Americo uh, fusion with uh, French technicals. It's really nice uh, bistro. It's just next to Boulogne. And uh, I took like the, the challenge to open six months ago uh, a Greek restaurant. It's called Yaya. We uh, had a lot of trophies for that restaurant. We had the, the price of the, the, like the, the best sandwich in uh, Paris. For the pita we're uh, making there, we made everything's homemade. Our bread, um, all the sauces, all, all the things we put on the um, on the sandwich and in the restaurant are homemade. Even our mustard, our uh, uh, mayo, our ketchup, everything is is homemade. And we were choose best pop restaurant from the Goemio. Uh, it's kind of Michelin uh, contest in uh, in France. And uh, we're really happy. I'm a happy chef. It's been a long way, but really like extreme and, uh, and crazy. You're a happy, hardworking chef from the sounds of it. And I, I suppose, I mean, if there's a, uh, you know how Forbes does the under 40? I don't know in France if they do an under 30, but uh, you would definitely be topping that, that list because uh, all your accomplishments really stack up to... Uh, a filled treasure chest. Um, so cool. So, well, let's jump off then into one of your, your newest things, uh, Limon, especially because we're, we're sitting here. Now, I know that your menu ha is filled with um, both like grilled meats, but everything has some kind of an accent of citrus and lemon. And I know you actually even source some of the products from an area right outside of Perpignan, which I think you're going to tell us a little bit more about. So, yeah, I mean, like, how did this come about, and why the infatuation with uh, citrus? It's funny you uh, you talk about Forbes because in France we have um, a tabula. It's it's kind of the same uh, classman, you know, like they they say who's the the more influence uh, influence people in uh, in the in before the thirty, before the forty, and I was the second one on two thousand seventeen. 
and there was a, a very nice patissier who was the first, Nina Meteye, and I was the second uh, 30 guy more influent in France. So it's funny you talk about it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy. The the concept, and I'm really happy because I work with amazing people. Limon, who means citrus, it's a human story. It's a, it's a story about people who uh, know each other, who try to, to make things uh, right. I was traveling in the south of France, just next to Perpignan, and I went to Eouze, Eouze village. It's a tiny, tiny uh, village in the south of France. And there is a, there like a place without, there is not like, you don't know how to arrive there. If you don't have the the address, if you don't know the people, you're never, never gonna find there because it's so, so uh, like lost in the middle of nowhere. And um, there is the Maison Bachesse. Maison Bachesse, it's been created by Michel and Benedict, I think 40 years ago. They were uh, pepinerists. Pepinerists, it means that they only sell the, the trees. They try to buy a lot of biological and uh, like uh, really uh, bio, uh, organic, yeah, organic fruits in all the world and bring it to the south of France and try to cultivate. And a few years ago, they uh, tried to begin to sell the, the fruits because they, they, it wasn't their business. I knew that people. I tried to um, uh, get closer to them because they, their work was just amazing. Try to, to make everything organic in, a, in a such a, like a lost place. And I, I thought it was like a really passionate. It was, the story was incredible. So I began thinking about it. And actually in South America, we use we we use a lot of citrus everywhere. In France, it's more like for uh, the entrance or for the, the desserts. In Colombia, we use it with everything. If you know, there's a like the guacamole. We always put the lemon juice, the chimichurri. We're talking with Chef Arbelez of Limon Restaurant, located in the Hotel Marignan in Paris's eighth arrondissement. I'm Paige Donner, host and producer of Paris Good Food and Wine. You can find us on iTunes public radio stations in the United States, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever else you download your podcasts. Uh, chimichurri, it's uh, normally we put it with a uh, grilled meat uh, and there's uh, always like uh, this acidity of the lemon who's really nice with the meat, with the chicken, with the shrimps, with, uh, with everything. We had with the empanadas, we had always lemon uh, on next to, uh, on the table. So, it was like logic for me to create that restaurant. They had more than 800 types of uh, citrus, of different citrus. So I was like, I was looking for a, a source of inspiration. And I thought like, that's the source of inspiration. Dot producers, that guys who work every day with that much passion and th that much like hard work. That's my inspiration. That's going to be my inspiration. So we begin to, to talk a lot. Yeah, I want to see the the place where the trees and the fruits were produced. And I just fall in love of that place. I fall in love of the people. I fall in love of um, of the concept. And uh, we opened five months ago now, uh, Limon, who means citrus. We put, we work on a, a man de Buddha. Man de Buddha, it's like a hands uh, Buddha, hand of Buddha. Uh, it's a citrus. It's like a transformation of a cedra, a cedro, who uh, doesn't have a juice. It, it, the, the lemon, that, that citrus, doesn't have any juice on it. But the skin, the white part, the zest and the zest are so perfumed and so delicious that we don't need any juice. We use like the, um, the skin to um, bring some texture on the dish 
and the perfume when you uh, when you mash when you, you you have it in your mouth the explosion it's so incredible you can you never forget that uh, experience so with at the beginning we were like experimenting a lot today we had a uh, more than a uh, a hundred citrus that we work today in our menus. We can change it like every week because we have so much. It's so so rich that world of uh, citrus that we it never ends. It never ends, and we are. Uh, I've never been so happy since I created a, a project and I have a a challenge. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, and plus, you, you it seems like you're shining a light on all so many different kinds of varieties because here we hear so much about the lemon from Menton you know, down in the south. And that's really the only lemon I know about here. But so you're kind of sourcing and cultivating and bringing to light all different kinds of stuff. So, okay, so let's switch to an upcoming project of yours, which you mentioned a moment ago about the uh, Yaya, which, you know, your your Greek, you know, restaurant and the pita sandwiches that you make and everything is homemade, even the ketchup and the mayonnaise and the mustard. That's a lot of work. Um, so how did, I mean, you're Colombian, but you, you launched off into, into the direction of Greek. How did that come about and where are you taking this? Yeah, I'm Colombian, but I think since I, I begin traveling, I, um, I found like a, a, a second passion. Uh, my second passion, I think it's people. You know, I love meeting people and um, tasting new things and discovering new uh, uh, markets and new recipes. And I think when I arrive in a, in a new country, I'm not just interested in the, like the tourist part. I'm really inter- interested in, in people who live there. So I, when, when I visit a country, I think I go home with a little piece of that country. And I, I really want to, like, to get mixed to, uh, to that culture. It's been four years I'm going to Greece. I made my olive oil there. I met grandmother there who used to cook to the people that made all the, like the, how do you say, recolt? Yeah, the harvest, who pick the, um, the olives in the trees to make uh, the olive oil. And um, I found that, that, can, that those recipes were so amazing that I had to put it in a restaurant. So I worked with her for a few months to learn all the secrets and all the, the recipes that she had. And we opened here a restaurant in her honor. The name is Yaya, and Yaya means grandmother. It means like uh, grandma in uh, in Greek. We made the bread, and the bread was uh, her recipe. Is her recipe, and yeah. Today I'm working on a like giving to Yaya that accessible side. You know, like being accessible to everybody. Being the restaurant, it's a place that it's quite uh, selective because even if we are not expensive, there's like with for fifteen or twenty euros you can come and eat. Adiaya. I think there's a, a children, there's a young people, there's a people who maybe don't have the time to eat. But I want to to share my food and to share the the way to eat well to everybody. So I want to be more accessible to to the people. Um, I was thinking about creating like a Yaya Express, Yaya To Go, Yaya Pizza. I don't know yet the name, but I'm working on that project to maybe put some. Um, different tiny spots in Paris to make a delivery, to make um, maybe to go. That's one of my um, my projects on my mind. There, uh, I don't sleep now, you know, I'm, I'm always dreaming where, where it's going to be the next. So yeah, yeah, I'm so excited with that project. That's really exciting. It sounds like something that people would 
be very much drawn to. Yeah. You know, just as like a, a final thought, do you have any commentary about, um, as we wrap this up, do you have any commentary about the food scene here in Paris? Because as you were saying, yeah, yeah, to go, I, my office is located near one of those um, craft hot dog. Yep. And it's always full, you know, I mean, it's like people go to Supreme, um, you know, that skateboard shop, and then they walk around the corner to, to craft hot dog. It's like, and there's always a line out both. So, but aside from that, I mean, um, just in a larger context, do you have any kind of thoughts about where Paris food scene is going? I think what it's amazing in Paris and one of the the reasons I came here, it's because we have the techniques, like the French people and the French cuisine have the um, the really basic techniques who are just amazing to extract juices, to uh, make sauces, to cook meats, cook vegetables. But what is incredible is that there's people from all the world coming here. So we have like a, a kind of um, hurricane of creativity uh, being here all day long because we have Japanese people who arrive, we have people from uh, South America, from the States, from Australia, from New Zealand, from uh, all the Europe, Italians. And there's like restaurants growing up like mushrooms everywhere. And today it's not only on the Michelin stars that we eat well, it's everywhere. Because we have that young guy who used to be a sous chef of, uh, of Noma or of uh, Eric Fréchon or Pierre Gagnère who opened his restaurant and he's trying to do like incredible things, but accessible, not that expensive, um, that everybody can buy. So today we can eat well in all Paris. And the important thing, it's it's not the modernity of, uh, I love a, a phrase of Pierre Gagnère who uh, used to say, the, um, the cuisine, you don't measure in modernity or tradition. You have to uh, read the... Um, the sweetness and the warmest of the of the chef of the people who cook so even if you're doing a hot dog a lobster roll a chicken with truffles a, a sea bass with uh, vegetables you have to put all the love you have being a chef if you it, it's that the difference and we have to be uh, and to even for the for the three stars michelin today the chefs are seeing that the future is maybe to being accessible to everybody. So for me, Paris is one of the is one of the best place to be. It's um, is where the scene it's always changing. It's always changing, and even uh, it's like the med. It's, it's even like a medical uh, thing because we have like uh, new techniques, new people, new ways to work arriving every day. So we have to to be more creative every day. To be more, uh, it's like. Uh, like a high-level sportive, you know? I feel like that. So that's amazing. You never... Um, it's just, it, it's like New York. It's like London. It's like places like like that that never... Uh, you can never sleep because there's somebody else arriving with new ideas. So that's really exciting. I love that that way uh, to work. Chef Arbelez, I want to thank you very much for today, for the time that you took in coming out, you know, meeting up in this snowy weather. I mean, hopefully this is going to be the last of the of the cold weather before spring hits, but uh, we got it here in February. Thank you so much, Chef. Thanks to you. I hope you spend a good time and uh, we're waiting to you, everybody, to Limon, to Yaya, to Maya, to Plancha. We're waiting there. Hope to see you soon. This episode of Paris Good Food and Wine has been brought to you by Paris Food and Wine.
You can find us at parisfoodandwine.net. Since starting my podcast here in Paris five years ago, I'm proud to bear witness to the proliferation of podcasting that Paris has seen, particularly in the last year or two. Three guests I had on my first season, namely Clotilde Dussoulier, Lindsay Tremuta, and Emily Dilling, have gone on to host their own podcasts. You can find them on iTunes, and you can catch their original podcast debuts on my Season 1, Episode 11, Season 1, Episode 9, and Season 1, Episode 4, respectively. So here's to podcasting, and cheers to Paris. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Paris Good Food and Wine. A big thank you to all who helped make this show possible, and especially a grand merci beaucoup from me, your host and producer, Paige Donner. You can find this and past episodes of Paris Good Food and Wine on iTunes. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Paris Food Wine and like us on Facebook at Paris Food and Wine.